We've been quoting this outside out a lot uh, every Sunday for the last six, eight weeks, and uh, man, it does something to your soul. Now, if you're like not into the scriptures, you're just kind of checking church out and all that kind of stuff, feel free to listen. If you don't want to proclaim it, that's fine. But I think that you'll find that even if you don't have a faith in God yet, just quoting this will empower you in a beautiful way. So let's read it all together. Let's pull it up on the screen. There it is. Psalms 23, starting with verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. (laughs) You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Give somebody a high five and be seated. Today, I'd like to go to verse 5. Let's pull up verse 5. And uh, it says that will you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We're going to just focus in on that first phrase right there. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the spirit of God that opens our eyes to see things. Things that get revealed to you, to us, by you. Not just the things that are being spoken this morning, but the things that you reveal to us. We pray that we'd be open to that. God, I I pray that if there's something distracting us this morning, that we would put that aside. Maybe it's an event, maybe it's a a situation, a problem, a relationship gone bad, uh, a disappointment, an offense, whatever the case may be. Lord, we, we set those things aside long enough to hear from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, Um, but more importantly, I pray that you would speak to the congregation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if I was to title this, I I guess I'd call it In the Presence of Enemies. In the Presence of Enemies. First of all, let's talk about the table. I think I have a picture of some sheep. sheep grazing on the top of a mountain, uh, on the top of a hill, mountain, and you can see how they're just kind of hanging out, chilling. I think we have another picture as well. There you go. And um, the shepherds would take these sheep up to the top of the mountains where there would be a higher elevation, uh, maybe more... uh, Precipitation, a little cooler, uh, and the grass a little greener and thicker. And so what a shepherd would do is before he would take the sheep up to these places, he would go up there himself, could even be weeks earlier, and pull up all the poisonous plants. Because there's some plants that if they eat, they will get sick and could die or just really have a difficult time. 
And so he will go up there and just go after and look for every little plant that could be poisonous and pull it up by the roots. And, uh, and so he prepares this area. It's called a mesa or a table, a tabletop. And so when the psalmist is saying he prepares a table, in other words, God goes before you to prepare where you're headed. He goes, he knows where the trips are and where the poisonous plants are. He knows where the traps are. And he begins to orchestrate things so that when you get there, you can rest. You can rest because you know you're in a safe place. The shepherd is there. The poisonous plants are gone. But the shepherd's also scouted out before he even got there all the places that animals would hide that would be predators that would try to attack or try to lure a sheep away from the flock so that they can be devoured. And so this tabletop is prepared not only by removing things that shouldn't be there, but also discovering places where sheep could get injured or attacked. And so the shepherd goes way before the first step of the sheep. And so in this analogy, I want you to be thinking about this, is that God knew that you were going to be here at this time of your life. He knew that you were going to be born and grow up inside of the culture in which the location on this planet you were born. He knew that. And he prepared a place for you. He doesn't just prepare a place for you after you die. He prepares a place for you here on this earth. There's a plan and there's a purpose for the shepherd to bring you here. And he knows that even though he brings you here, and even though he's gone before, and even though he's looked for every little nook and cranny to see all the hiding places and all the drinking places that the enemy likes to hide and await for the presence of the sheep so that he can attack, even though he knows that and he prepares for that and he's got his eyes out for those things, He knows that he's keep doing what he can do to keep you safe. He also knows that their enemies are just waiting. They surround. In the location, like in a place like this, doesn't look like there's much of a place to hide. But as you go over the edge, there's little drop-offs, little nooks and crannies that wolves, jackals, hyenas, Different predators are just sitting there waiting, waiting for it to get dark, waiting for the sheep to go through a dark experience. And the enemy waits for you to go through a dark experience. You see, even though the sheep rest up on the tabletop and that's the best feeding, there's still the enemy lurking, constantly lurking to get your attention and your focus and to lure you away. 
The, the enemy will make certain sounds like a coyote does. For those of you that live in the rural area out here, you'll, every once in a while you'll hear coyotes making some very creepy sounds. Sometimes it sounds like a baby crying. Sometimes it sounds like an injured animal. And it'll get one of your pets wondering what that is. And so they go out wondering, and they go out there looking to see what's happening. And then boom, attack. Attack. It's how the enemy works. He tries to lure you away from the flock. He tries to lure you away from safety. He tries to lure you away from the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. He tries to pull you away so that you can be devoured. I want to read some scriptures because I feel like we need to understand some things. Is that Christianity was never designed for you to get on a tabletop and live inside of a bubble to be isolated, to be completely insulated. There's the enemy is always ready to attack. But there's one thing that the enemy cannot do. It cannot penetrate your soul unless you let it. The enemy cannot have your soul unless you give it to him. Unless you take your eyes off of the things of God and focus only on yourself or your circumstances. If you do that, the enemy can lure you away and drag you off. And so I want to read these scriptures because I feel like they, they will help us as we go through this, as we talk about our enemy. Okay? Psalms 37, starting with verse 1. It says, Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like the grass, they shall soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. You know, some of us are really upset by some of the things that go on in our culture, and you do everything you can to stop it, but when it continues on, you have to remember that if it really isn't of God, it will burn itself out. It will soon wither. It's not sustainable. Eventually, the consequences will begin to speak louder than your voice. So just always remind yourself that. Consequences will always come to those who walk outside of the will and the plans of God. They will soon, like spring flowers, they will soon wither. It looks really good at first, but eventually it dies. Psalms 37, verse 3, starting with verse 3, trust the Lord and do good. Okay, this is really simple. Trust the Lord and do good. It doesn't get any simpler than that. I want the deep things of God. Well, you haven't even grabbed a hold of this. Trust the Lord and do good. That's a simple, that's a mission statement. What do you do? What's your mission statement in life? I trust the Lord and I do good. Jesus had one like that. He said that Jesus went about doing good and healing all. That's his mission. That was his mission statement. Going about doing good and healing all. Love it. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you your heart's desires. So we all want to prosper. We all want to live good. We all want to have fruitful lives. We want to have great memories and experiences and vacations and parties and gatherings and 
and we want our gardens to grow and we want our social life to flourish and we want all those things, right? We want all those things. Well, this is the recipe. Trust the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, there's two ways to look at the desires of the heart. There's the things that we desire that he gives us, and then there's the giving of the desire. Are you following me? The difference between the two. So if I have this desire to do good and to do right, God put that desire in my heart. So he gives me those desires. And if you wake up passionately thinking about solving a problem in this world, or healing a family member, or bringing peace to people who are divided. If that's something that, that, that consumes your mind, just know that God put that desire in your heart. He put it in there. John chapter 16. Jesus was um, talking to his disciples, and he says, Do you finally believe? Time is coming, indeed is now here, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It's interesting that Jesus is laying out this, this pol- polarized way of thinking almost, right? These two opposites. Hey, be at peace. I overcome the world. In this world, you'll have many sorrows. What is, what is he doing? He's not trying to sell this by making everything look good. You don't come to Jesus so that everything goes perfect. You come to Jesus because he's Lord. Come to Jesus because he's overcome the world. And so there's, a, there's this thing that happens when we become a Christian is, first of all, we're so happy that our sins are forgiven and, and we're so happy that our life is turning around and we're going a new direction. Beautiful things are starting to happen and we're really excited. But then this, this season of where things just aren't working and we thought that when we, we were following God that everything was going to go our way, everything was going to be good, and all these kinds of things. And Jesus is saying, no. You guys are going to, he, he's about ready to go to the cross when he says this. And he says, you guys are going to leave me, and you guys are going to get scattered, but don't worry. You may feel like you're all alone, but I am with you. I'm going to die. Basically, here's what he's saying as you read the other verses. He's, I'm going to die. But I'm not alone. I will be all alone. I'll be the only one there. Eventually, you will all leave me. You'll all get scattered and you'll all go your own separate ways. But I don't feel alone because the Father is with me. And I want you to know that when you feel scattered and you feel all alone, when you're going through a dark time or a dark season, or life causes you to go different directions, don't worry. I'm with you. I got you. And by the way, I've overcome the world. Now, what, is, what he's saying is, okay, so let me just lay this out. 
There's two realms. There's the realm inside you and the realm outside of you. The realm that's inside of you is where your soul operates. It's where your thoughts, your mind, your emotions, your will, your memory, your, all those things, all are just interacting with one another constantly. And then there's the outside, the world, the world in which you live in. And there's places of extreme chaos and debauchery and evil and all kinds of stuff. There's, but there's beautiful things. There's gardens. There's beautiful scenery in the, in the rainforest. There's beautiful human architecture and lots of goodwill being done all over the world. People that love one another, people that heal one another, people that rescue one another, people that build for others and restore others and give their life to help people that are in recovery or to help people who are depressed and lost. So there's a lot of good out there. But in this world, all of the stuff that happens outside of that Everything that happens, you have to run it through a filter before you bring it into the internal world. Okay? So you have to be careful that you don't let the external world become the center of your soul. Are you following me? God is the center of your soul, not culture, not trends. Right? Not ideologies, none of that. Jesus is Lord of your soul, if you've chosen to follow him. Otherwise, you're the Lord of your soul. Or the world is the Lord of your soul. Or your political party is the Lord of your soul. And so what we as Christians, we do, is we make sure that the inside or the internal realm of the soul has a filter called Christ that we run everything through. Are you following me? Okay? So that means even your political views, if you're not at odd with your, uh, odds with your political party at some point, then you probably don't have a Christian framework. If you're 100% agreement with everything that happens within your political party, then you probably don't have a scriptural filter. Okay, so that was all I had to say. <laughs> so, but there's so many argument, or enemies out there that try to come after your soul and literally drag you away from the flock or from the Father, or from the Good Shepherd, pull you away and drag you over a cliff or into a ravine or in behind a rock where the enemy can attack you with accusations, with fears, and, and vain imaginations, and all these things. And what Jesus is trying to show us is that, hey, stuff happens. There's going to be persecutions. Hey, they persecuted me. They hated me. They're going to hate you. And he's just laying it out the way that it is. Let's watch, or let's, let me read this, this verse, and we'll continue. 1 Peter chapter 5. 
in verse 6. And Peter says this, he says, so humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Some of you are waiting for your day, and you're like, when is my day going to come? At the right time. At the right time. At the right time. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Then he says in verse 8, this is important. This verse has stuck with me all my life. And every time I feel like I'm getting drawn off by the enemy to be dragged in and get devoured, I remind myself of this. Verse 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering as you are. Isn't that interesting? Jesus doesn't say, hey, all the believers around the world, they don't have stuff like this happening. No, he's saying, hey, whatever you go through, somebody else is going through it. All over the world, it's happening. Persecution, rejection, hurt, bad-mouthing, betrayal, all that stuff, everybody is going to experience at some point. Some form or fashion of that, right? But he says, verse 8, one translation says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, roams around looking for whom he may devour. He's like the enemy, waiting for a sheep to pull him off. The command to you from the word of God is to open your eyes And look, don't you see that what you're harboring in your heart is the enemy trying to put a root into your mind that is going to be dangerous to your soul? Be sober, be alert, and realize you're listening to some voices that are disrupting your soul. Put on a filter, a Christ-like filter. I believe that we're going into a time where we need to be sober and vigilant because our adversary, the devil, wants to take our lives, wants to take our soul. Luke 22, verse 31. You okay reading scriptures? You all right with that? Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented, turn to me again and strengthen your brothers. There's an enemy that wants to sift you as wheat. We're living in a day where... um, Dark things are becoming more bold and more prevalent. We are seeing more satanic displays of debauchery and evil in our world like never before. Now, I don't care who you are or what political party you are a part of, but when you have people taking their clothes off at the White House, showing their boobs, flashing them, 
there's something wrong. Okay? I know that makes some of you uncomfortable. I'm so happy that it does. Because it should. You got to recognize that the enemy, when he shows up at a world event, like he did at the Olympics, where they bring out the God of Baal and everybody starts worshiping the God of Baal, we have a problem. We have a problem in our society. We have a problem in our society when Hollywood is making Satan something to be admired and to just toy around with. No. 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 You better be sober and vigilant and recognize that there's a full-on assault, not just on Christians, but on humanity, to try to lure them. Okay? I'm not trying to be a Christian freak or a paranoid dude. I'm just trying to tell you reality. Be, open up your eyes and see what's going on. So there are, there are three enemies that I feel that we should address. There's so many of them out there. I mean, your own ego can be an enemy. Debt can be an enemy. Money can be an enemy. Sex can be an enemy. There's all kinds of enemies out there waiting to lure you in. Greed, unforgiveness, all kinds of stuff, right? There's all kinds of enemies out there. Pedophilia, all this gender confusion, all that. That can all be an enemy. There's all kinds of them. But there's three that I want to address real quick. The first one is the enemy that comes from the world. The cultural enemy. The enemy that where the majority rules type things, or the perception that the majority believes a certain way, and all of a sudden, the ideologies of the world that become really popular, and oftentimes they get grabbed up by young people first because they haven't been around very long. So it's packaged in a way that it all makes sense. Oh yeah, that makes sense. We love everybody, except for people that don't believe this way then we don't love them. We're evil to them. So those of us that have been around for a while, we see patterns, okay? And when we grab a hold of ideologies or cultural influences and we allow them into our soul and allow them to be our moral guide and it takes us away from this, then we have a problem And then the enemy can easily lure you away. The first thing that goes is going to church. That's the first thing you knock out. And then pretty soon you just start avoiding all the Christians. Okay? And then you start taking on ideologies and you start framing your own morality. And pretty soon you have your own gods. And then pretty soon you're just like the pagan societies where there's many, many gods that offer you nothing. Nothing to give you life and life more abundantly, but this word is packed full of life and life more abundantly. Anyway, so that first one is the lures of this world. The lures of this world. In Ephesians chapter 4, 
It says this, it talks about the church and there's, there's things that Jesus gave the church and it says that Jesus gave these gifts. Now these gifts, verse 11 says, these gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip the people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature. You get mature when you submit yourself and yield yourself to the voices that make up the church. I'm not talking about this church, but it includes this church. I'm talking about the Christian framework, Christianity as a whole, okay? You become mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. What, what's it saying, measuring up? What, where Christ is our filter that we allow things through. And we stand up next to him. And whenever we are looking at an ideology or a way or a cultural thing to adapt into our own lives, it could be everything from the music you listen to to the clothes you wear. It could be the words that you use. It could be the places that you go. All those kinds of things. When you begin to ask yourself, Jesus, what would you say about this? Jesus, I can do all things through you. But this will not get through you. That's the standard. That's how you measure. Okay? Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown away by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Boy, is that ever happening now? Instead, we will speak the truth and love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work and helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. got to watch out for the lures of this world the second one offenses it's an enemy offenses it's amazing how easy it is to be offended scripture tells us that the righteous are not easily offended but I've never seen in my days of being a Christian it is so easy to offend a Christian. It's so easy to throw them off center. All you have to do is just not respond to a text. That's all. I don't know about you, but I get hundreds of texts all the time, all day, right? And so I'm looking at one, I go, oh, I got to respond to that. And I'll go, oh, I got to respond to that one. I got to respond to that one. Then I'll be responding to somebody. And then all of a sudden somebody will call in and I answer, Hello? And then when I get done talking to them, I just put my phone down and I forget, oh, I never sent the text. And then I'll be going through my phone a little bit later and I'll look at so-and-so and I'll look in there and I'm gonna, oh, I gotta send him a text. So I go send him a text and I look and there's the whole message that I just typed out three weeks ago in the queue. I was like, oh no, I never responded. But that's enough to get somebody to leave the church. That's somebody to quit dating somebody. 
right? That's enough for somebody to quit being a friend to somebody. Why? Because we're so easily offended. We're just babies. Just weak little babies, infants. Instead of being man enough to just address it. Just say, hey, dude, did you get my text? Hey, I never heard back from you. Hey, I really need to know the answer to this. Blah, blah, blah. Come on, you big baby. But this, this whole idea of being offended. You know, the interesting thing is that what it does, it makes you carry the offense. And the thing about offenses is, is that you take them. You don't have to. When somebody does something to hurt your feelings or somebody to betray your trust or, or you know, hurt the cause that you're standing for or whatever the case may be, as opposed to you taking that offense and then putting it in your backpack or into your heart, don't take it. Leave it with them. Let them hold that. Address it. But don't take it. Don't make it yours because then their offense begins to shape your spirit. Their offense shapes your spirit. Don't ever let anybody shape your spirit unless it's Christ. It needs to be Christ's spirit. If somebody says something that's Christ-like, then man, take it on in. Here's some thoughts with offenses. First thing you need to do is you need to make sure that when you step in poo, you clean your shoe. When you step in poo, clean your shoe. I mean, have you ever been in somebody's house with a group of people and you go, oh, God. Oh, gosh, somebody stepped in dog dude. Now, there's no mistake. When it's dog dude, you know. It's not cat. It's not raccoon. It's not people. It's dog. Because it has a specific smell, kind of a smeary smell, okay? <laughs> and, and so you smell it, right? And you start looking around, you go, I wonder who stepped in the dog do? And so everybody's like looking at their shoes and all that, and you, and you know you didn't do it. And so you're looking at their shoes and, and all that, and you realize nobody in the room has dog do on their shoes. So you finally lift your shoe up and you go, oh gosh, it was me big old chunk right here on the side, right here, right? (laughs) Then you look at the bottom of your shoe, there's nothing on it. Why? Because you walk through the shag carpet to get to the seat. So you realize it's everywhere. And that's what happens to offenses. We innocently step into it and we take it into the house. And everywhere we go, we spread a little everywhere. Smear it here, smear it there, smear it a little over by the coffee table, smear it a little over there by the kitchen, a little in the bathroom. Pretty soon you realize, I went through the whole house. So what you have to do is you have to go outside, you got to get a brush and you got to clean it all off. Some of you need to clean off some of your poo. The offenses that you've taken put into your backpack carrying around on your shoe this is why Jesus said that when you leave town and you've been offended wipe the dust off of your feet don't bring it into the next town let it go that's an enemy 
have another enemy that I want to share with you, but I'll have to share it with you next week. Yeah. So I hope I, hope I didn't offend you. <laughs> but next week, here's the thing. When he prepares a table, there's a reason that he prepared the table where he prepared it. And there's a calling that's involved there. And there's a, there's a job to do. And there's an experience to be had. And there's some things that he's trying to get your attention to see. But you just need to know that there will be enemies lurking around all around the perimeter. All around the perimeter while you're out there doing the things of the Lord. Some of you started volunteering and doing things with your gifts and talents to the Lord. And the minute you did that, the enemy attacked. Feelings got hurt. Some of you tried to get involved with somebody, but nobody called you back. I get it. It happens. It happens. People are busy. People get lost. People are irresponsible sometimes. But there's a whole group of enemies just waiting now around the periphery of your life. Just waiting. For you to just step away from the flock long enough. Step away from God long enough so that it can drag you off and then you become another victim. Right? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for opening our eyes to see things that we can't see right now. And Lord, as we are sober and as we're vigilant, help us look into some of the things that are going on in our world and and look at them through discerning eyes and then get instructions from you as, as to how to respond to them. But Lord, help us keep from internalizing the culture and the, the darkness that's around us. Help us keep it out in front of us, but not in us. You know, I think I should read this passage. In, in John chapter 17. See if I can find it. I think I... In John 17, verse 13, I am coming to you. This is Jesus talking to his Father. I'm coming to you, and I have told my disciples many things when I was with them, so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Did you hear that? I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. But to keep them safe from the evil one. They are not part of this world any more than I am. Make them pure and holy by teaching them your words of truth. And as you sent me into this world, 
I am sending them into the world. And I give myself entirely to you so that they might be entirely yours. All around this room, I'm going to ask you to recommit to being entirely God's. Like Malachi was saying this morning, who do you say God is? Who do you say Jesus is? The best thing that you can do to protect yourself from the enemy of this world is to make sure that you are entirely his. If you have not made him entirely yours and and you entirely his, I encourage you right now in this room to make that decision. Lord, decisions are being made all around this room. May you confirm it this week in different ways and different experiences that lets them know that you have heard their decision. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer partners are gonna be up here. And maybe you this morning know that you're supposed to get back on track with the things of God, with the spirit of Jesus. I, I, I want you to take that time to confirm that by coming to the front and praying with one of these prayer partners. They would love to pray with you and get you going on this life that will allow you to feed in the pastures of what God has for you and protect you from the enemy. In Jesus' name.